tells stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. G'day, Ian. It's Jasmine here, out hand-picking coffee on our little coffee farm. So I thought I'd take a break and say hi. I mean, most coffee farms don't hand-pick. Well, not in Australia anyway. They probably handpick in Africa and South America, but here in Australia it's all done by machine. But our little farm has only got, well, it had 700 trees and we've taken some out and we handpick and sun dry. So, I mean, it can take anywhere from, say, September through to November. Strange year, I think, all the, the rain that we had, because we're near Lismore, so we had a lot of, you know, that Northern Rivers rain earlier on and it washed a lot of the nutrients out of the soil. But it's a movable feast from year to year. It's a little dot on the map called Uralba and it's outside of Austin. Bill, Hinterland, Ballina. So your coffee, it's like a little boutique farm. What do you do with your coffee? Do you sell it, obviously, or do you well, drink it all yourself? Or? <laughs> well, actually, my husband has Parkinson's, so he can't drink caffeinated coffee, so we have to buy decaffeinated coffee in for him, which we find rather ironic. Look, we used to sell it through the local you know, fruit and veggie shop and other people, but then we took out a number of trees, and so our family and friends all line up for it now. And, yeah, they buy it for us, which basically covers the packaging and the well, and the, good. the roasting and otherwise wh- no it's no money in it i'll come and see you sometime absolutely we've got coffee waiting for you <laughs> <laughs> good coffee too there's a radio show that australians all know if you're rich or you ain't got a cracker they tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land and they call it sunday with macca they all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. Good on you. Thank you. Good morning and welcome. Uh, this bloke here, I want to talk to you. Stand up if you would, mate. What's your name? Gossy. Gossy from Taggarty. Oh, it's Gossy? Yeah. Gossy, I didn't even recognise you. Gossy, I've known Gossy for... Uh, but every time I see Gossie, he looks different. I do, yes. Anyway, I heard you're coming up here, so I brought my wife up, who's still in the tavern here at uh, Rochester. She's sleeping because uh, we had a bit of a party last night at the Rochester uh, Hotel, which was a good fundraiser for them. But we came up oh, a couple of days ago, and uh, we've been spending up big buying plants, as you said, bring them back. And in the 09 fires at Taggarty, they all supported our little store in Taggarty. Uh, after the 09 fires, we got a heap of one of our best years. But so, so I hope there's a lot of people coming up this way to support yeah. and like us. But because I heard you're coming up, I put a little tin on our front counter at the store. Put a little tin, ladies and gentlemen, on his front counter. And just to uh, to put with your fundraising, it's probably about five or six hundred bucks. I don't know. It could even be more in here. So wow. I'll, I'll give that to oh, you. Yeah. And I'll just grab the tin back at the end of the show. <laughs> That's all. Wow, isn't that lovely? Yeah. Good on you, mate. It'd be good, but, but thank, thanks, Mackie. You do great. No worries. Well, and you've been to a few OBs in, before. Uh, <laughs> Grab OB. all of that. Huh? Yeah, it's the first OB I've been to, yeah. yeah. You came to a concert. Where was that? Uh, Banella or something? Yeah, that was Benalla. quite a few years ago. Yeah. And I've rung you from the outback in the telephone booth and I've rung you from overseas. So I've actually rung you quite a few times. And you always get a present of us at Christmas. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Wombats. And I've got them here in the car, but I left them there. Wombats? Yeah, Australian oh, made oh, ones. Oh, you meant stuffed wombats. <laughs> not stuffed ones, yes. <laughs> not live ones. But yeah, no, it's, it's, no, not live ones, but it's good. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's good what you do for the whole place. Gossie, thank you very much, and great oh, to see you. I've got a T-shirt. Have you? I've got a T-shirt. So. There you go. I might, have been like, I, might be able to get you to sign, I might be able to get you to sign it later. 
Yeah, all right, black on black, eh? Black on black. <laughs> We'd have white. <laughs> but anyway, thanks, Macca. Please thank Gossie, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great, lovely thing. I'll go down the back here and talk to some people. Uh, this lady doesn't want to talk to me, so I'll talk to her. What's your name? Evelyn. Where are you from, Ev? Melbourne, from the Dandenongs. Oh, from the Dandenongs. And, and you're... I'm Rob, yeah. yeah. I last caught up with you in Sydney when you had the 75th anniversary Sydney Harbour Bridge. You had the cake oh. and everything else. Oh, wasn't that a great cake? Yeah, it was a very great cake, yeah. yeah ladies and gentlemen, tried it. it was sort of like the Harbour Bridge, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was a really good cake and uh, we enjoyed your show. We've listened to, listened to you for ages and at uh, the age of 68 I decided to get a job as a train driver in the, in the Pilbara. So we're keeping the country going, mate. <laughs> so you're driving trains in the Pilbara? Yeah, that's right. They're three kilometres long, 42,000 tonne and absolutely uh, enjoyment to, uh, to drive and operate. So you, f what, fly in, fly out, do you? Yeah, fly in, fly out. Fl came up from Melbourne last night and just to uh, be with you up here at Rochi, yeah. Should have brought the train up. That would have been, I think. <laughs> I'd be stretching from here to Melbourne, mate. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's uh, a great job and really love it. Love trains. And second career. I was in real estate prior to that and retired at uh, 54 on that job and decided to st uh, chase a passion in my life, driving trains. And I've been through New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, now WA, so it's been a really great experience. And we listen to you every morning on Sunday. <laughs> in the train, in the cab? Uh, you know, if we're working on the cab, yeah. Yeah, that's really good stuff, yeah. There you go. Well, it's lo that's, how good is that? I mean, that would be fantastic. And it's lovely country there, isn't it? Yeah, the Pilbara's, uh, it's an eye-opener. I'm sure a lot of these grey nomads have probably been up there already, but, yeah, we were uh, cruising through there on the road for nine months, went through there and I thought, I've got to have a go at one of these and uh, put an application in and got the job. So <laughs> here you go. Had you been a train driver before? Yeah, we started up in Cobar in New South Wales, driving the uh, copper trains from Cobar to Newcastle. Ended up doing jobs from Sydney back to Dubbo and all the rest of it and Broken Hill on the ballast trains back to Park. So you covered all that. And then they did the coal up in uh, Mackay on their, their, their um, electric trains, overhead wire. And, uh, yeah, I've had quite a variety of experience. Then I did Warrnambool, Melbourne, and uh, came up here to Daniloquin, uh, which is just across the river here. And, uh, yeah, I've been all over the place on the train, so I really love it. It's been an experience. Your name again is? Uh, Rob Beacons. Rob yeah. and? Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, you didn't get a word in. No, I didn't, because he's very <laughs> passionate about his trains. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Isn't it? It's lovely to see someone passionate about about things. Well, it's lovely to meet you both, and thanks for coming. Um I uh, should put you in a... We've got a T-shirt. You should wear your T-shirt. See this T-shirt? Yeah, we've been looking at, yeah. we've been looking at those. And that's, for, that's for flood relief. But anyway, lovely to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later, Evelyn. Thank you. <laughs> G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Danny calling from a phone box. Oh, g'day, Danny. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I've been th looking forward to getting up to your outdoor broadcast for many weeks now, and um, I thought, on the way, I thought I'd better stop and ring you from a phone box. All right, where, where's the phone box? It's opposite the Hotel Rochester, about 50 metres from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're down the... <laughs> oh, Danny. It's down the road, Bucca. So uh, it... we, we were walking from the car to go to where you are broadcasting, and we saw the phone box, and I said to my son, Harrison, I said, you know what, we've got to do this. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Well, that's very nice. Well, it's a little crowd here, mate, so it'll be nice to nice to see you. Yeah, no, we'll be there shortly, Macca, but I thought I'd just let you know we didn't get lost. Um, well, we thought it did on the way, but we've made it. So uh, it's a beautiful day up here, isn't it? Look, there's not a cloud in the sky that I could see, and and uh, Rochester certainly put on the weather for, for you and for all of us. So I'll see you in a few minutes, and I'll come up and press the flesh. Well, you'll get a hero's welcome, I'd reckon, Dan. I don't know. We'll see, hey? Get all right, the crowd mate. all cheered up, ready to go. Good on you, mate. <laughs> see you, Macca. See you, mate. Bye. Now, you're on, sorry, introduce yourself. You're... I'm Kerry Bruce, and welcome to everybody. And um, I'm from Bacola now because we've been flooded out at Barma. Oh, you're the lady who rang me last yes. uh, week before. And Couple... so you sent me a T-shirt, for you, so oh, how's that? Well, it's not for me, it's for drought relief. Yeah, so it's but, great. But uh, is the water, are you still in Pecola or? Yes, we are. We'll be flooded out probably for another five months. Five months? Five months we will be. So where, where's home? Barma. It's mm. the only town north of the Murray River. Uh-huh. And I've got a property there right on the Broken Creek and the Murray and I'm right in the middle. And um, we flooded out, and I was the one that walked all our horses out. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I took the chooks, and the chooks are still laying. <laughs> so that's good. But I want to say to everybody in Rochi, I've been thinking about you so much. Oh, my God, it was just horrific, and my heart goes out to you, and God bless you all. And um, there's so many people doing it tough at the moment, and this is really good to see. So it took us an hour to drive from here from Bacola, and... Um, yeah, I bought a little bakehouse there. It's 135 years old and I lived there. It had no power, no water, no toilet. But I'm going to have a shower next week. This is Kerry. <laughs> Please thank Kerry. Thanks, Kerry. Thank you and thank you for coming. That's a pleasure. What's your name? Uh, Paul Jarwin. How are you, Paul? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, tell me your story. Um, I'm the local councillor. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's been a fair bit on. Um, but um, I live up in Echuca these days but grew up in Rochi. And you never really, it's a bit like Kerry just saying, you never really leave, Roger. Your family and friends and stuff like that are, mm. are here. And um, today's, you know, the weather's turned it on. And we've had a pretty tough time. But, but the ability to come together today and, and just have a chat, have yeah. a laugh and some of the stories and, yeah. you know, what's someone going to say is sort of been keeping us all entertained <laughs> here in the back. And it's not a day for politics. It's a day for community just to have a bit of a, a smile and a bit of a laugh and, and catch up when we haven't been able to. And... And that's part of us getting back to normal and it's an important part. Yeah, I think so. Um, when I'm, you know, up there and talking and you know, I look up the back and there's all you blokes like and ladies and they're all standing around talking to themselves. And I think to myself, I wonder what they're talking about, you know. It's, it's, but it's sort of like um, just getting together, you know. That's all it is. is and then I think we've all learnt that, you know, when you have a bit on like we've all been through is... Just simple things like catching up and having a chat and remember that and seeing someone you haven't seen from COVID and things yeah. like that. They're only small things, but they're really important. You put a bit of a smile and a laugh and that's pretty much what we've been doing up the back here. What's it like being a counsellor? Oh, it has its moments. Mm. <laughs> um, the, the last um, six weeks has had plenty on. But look, it, I suppose if I was asked to, to make a, 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 where it is for me is a community like Rochester gives far more than it takes out here. And... I think in the event, it's a great example of country towns all over Australia when you've got your back to the wall, that you have to work together because you haven't got any choice. And then as well as that, you've got to work together to make sure you know, the local government or the other departments all, we get our share. And many communities this year right across Australia have had to face that. And Rochester, I think, um, is a great example of that to themselves. That um, I think to use, I think, Wardy's, you know, we, 
we catch and kill our own around here. And um, it's, it really is um, a town that knows that it's um, who it is, what it is, yeah. and we'll get through it. And, um, you know, and we'll talk about it in 10 we'll years' time. We'll remember. So remember the flood and where we are yeah. and you know, all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and to me, that is the truth of how country towns work. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, just looking at the faces today and, you know, the old quiet chat leading into each other and stuff like that, it's um, sort of that Aussie sort of way of doing things, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's inspiration. People are inspired. I sometimes think, and you know, I think, oh, geez, what's going to happen tomorrow morning? Because I wonder if anyone will turn up and who I'll talk to. And, <laughs> and then, you, you know, you find all sorts of interesting people like the train drivers and the bloke. I didn't know that the train drivers and the, and the linesmen was a bit of argy between them, you know, but yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But look, even um, just watching today, you know, like over a lifetime of living in any country town, you, you see different people at different stages in life. And today people coming down and like you said at about six o'clock there wasn't you know the corellas were here and and a few yeah. and um now look what we got on a sunday morning and you know rochi probably got, hasn't got a lot going on so look at this for a, just a great morning just to get out and the lions clubs doing their thing and nice crowd of people lovely isn't it yeah. so no it's good but look back um thanks for for choosing us and come and come for a visit and i know it took a bit to get you here and all that sort of stuff but no from our point of view thank you very much for coming mate Oh, it's a pleasure. Paul? It's Paul, isn't it? Yeah. Good on you, Paul. Yeah. This lady here with the sun in her eyes, Karen. Is it Karen? Hello, yes, Karen. Yes, hi. How are you? Yeah, good. Tell me your story. You're from... I'm from Rochester and Elmore District Health. I'm the CEO up there at the hospital just here in Rochester. I heard about the hospital there. Yeah, we got, we got flooded all the way through on the night of the floods. and So we've evacuated 65-odd residents and patients and now the hospital's got to be rebuilt. So... It's all gone. So how's that going to happen? Well, with a lot of effort and insurance money. Mm. Yeah, so it's gone right through from the back to the front of the hospital all the way through, about a, a half a metre or so all the way through. So all our residents are out, evacuated to different places, and we've got to find them all homes for the next 12 months or so. It'll be... 12 months? Oh, at least. At least 12 months, yep. Be a long time. We're, we're bringing services back slowly in different places, so we operate them from Elmore and places like here in the GP practice here so we're sort of dotting them around as we can but the hospital itself and the whole building's gone yeah. so and operating out of portables and my new office is a, a nice little portable which is nice <laughs> I often say that about life you know you never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning do you you know one day things are fine next minute you've got a raging flood through the place yes yeah, it did it came really quickly because we, we knew it was coming but we I guess no one really expected it to be as high as it was 2013, the floods came to the back door of the hospital, literally, lipped at the back door but didn't enter. And this time they came through at sort of almost a metre. So, yeah, it was very different this time to last time. Tell me your story. What's, what makes you tick, Karen? What, how did you start it in with the hospital visit? Are you a nurse? or a... I'm, I'm a nurse, yeah, yeah. I started nursing in Melbourne and I've been in Bendigo for about 30-odd years. So, um, yeah, I'm a nurse and then I became a director of nursing and now I'm a CEO. So this was going to be the retirement dream. And then, so I started, was COVID started and then the floods came. So life as a CEO. What's next? I What's know. next? <laughs> retirement, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, good on you, Karen. Nice to talk to you this morning. You too. Thank you very much. Thanks for your support of the town. It's great. It's a pleasure. Please thank Karen. Karen Lane, ladies and gentlemen. These little people over here have got... Do- There's a lot of dogs here this morning. We always get lots of dogs. So your name is... Scott. Hiya, Scotty. Nice to meet you. And... Morgan. Morgan, hi. Um, tell me your story, Scotty. Uh, yeah, from Kennedy's Creek down in Victoria. And um, come up here to see you for the day. 
I remember the old Where's Kennedy's Creek? It's near Cobram. Ah, so um, Cobden. Cobden. Yeah. All right. You've yeah. been there, so yeah. it's about half hour from Cobden. And um, yeah, the old man used to force me to listen to you driving a footy when I was like about six years old. That's uh, I hate that. You hate that. <laughs> I hate that. And now, yeah, thirty odd years later. I like listening to you, <laughs> which is yeah. pretty funny. It just grows on you. It's like mould. Yeah. It just <clears throat> grows on you, mate. What do you do? Uh, we work in the railway lines as well, but we fix the railway lines, so we both work in it together. They work down in Melbourne. Did you hear our friend over there? It was Robert. Uh, yeah, drive, yeah. Drive. Was the, he thought he'd like to drive trains in the Pilbara, um, and there he is. We don't like them, and they don't like us. We're the track workers on the ground there, the train drivers. Really? Is that the story, is it? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Wow. That's what we get told anyway. Did you know that, Robert? No, I didn't no he, he's <laughs> completely ignorant of that. Yeah. Maybe that's what we think anyway. That's good. Yeah, there you go. So, um, a lot of work? Yeah, plenty of work. Now, Labor wants to spend a lot of money on the train lines, which is always good for us. So, plenty of work for us. And it's Lauren. Is it Lauren? Morgan. Morgan, sorry. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, safe working on the rail. Yeah, <laughs> so safe work for him. And while I'm talking to uh, Morgan and Scotty, um, there's a dog here. Yeah, he's red. Yeah, he comes everywhere. He's a silk. You'll probably hear him silking a bit later on. If he sees another dog, he wants to speak to the dog. There's lots of dogs here. Yeah, he's, he's a big silk. <laughs> he's a good dog, so yeah, come have a pat if you want a pat. There you go. All right, lovely to talk to you. Keep, up the, good, keep the trains running, you know, if you know what I mean. This is the All Over News. Last week on the All Over News, we mentioned 75 years of Bonegilla migrant camp. Bonegilla was Australia's largest and longest operating migrant reception and training centre post-war, with over 300,000 people passing through, some staying for only a few weeks, some for some months. It was established on the site of a former army camp, and Natalie Boyd emails and says, My dad, Bill Boyd... Warrant Officer Class 1 and his crew were stationed at Bonegilla after the close of the migrant camp. They were cartographers, mapping for the Australian Army. They have a significant history there and they get together at Bonegilla at various anniversaries, most recently last year. We lived at Bonegilla for many years, opposite the hall, and I recall the fabulous country dances. Mum would make each of us four girls a new dress and we'd dance the country dances with not a lot of style perhaps but lots of gusto. It was a great community, and I reflect now from the hustle and bustle of Sydney on what an extraordinary place Bonegiller is and was, a place for the migrants to find their feet as they were introduced to Australia, and then a significant location for the army. It's an unassuming but beautiful place, shaded by big trees, blessed with the occasional breeze off the Hume Weir, and a foundation for so many who have contributed to Australia's strength and future. And for our family at least, we say Bonegilla. Loving Sunday mornings, thanks, Macca, says Natalie Boyd. Thanks, Natalie. It was making news back in 1992, August 1992, when Sir Hubert Opperman, world-famous bike rider and former Federal Minister for Transport and Immigration in the Menzies government, rode his bike through the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. As you know, we're in Rochester this morning, and Oppie, as he was known in Europe and all over, is Rochester's favourite son. What a lovely bloke he was. As he came through the newly opened tunnel that August Sunday morning, our intrepid reporter John Bamford thrust a mobile phone into his hand. 
And he's just ridden through the Harbour Tunnel. Good morning, Sir Hubert. How are you? Good morning, Macca. You, uh, as I call you Macca, you should call me Oppie. OK. Not Sir Hubert. Oppie, did you have a, a good trip through the tunnel this morning? Oh, it was a magnificent uh, experience, I can tell you. Uh, after 60 years going over the bridge and then to go under the water... Uh, was a terrific experience. That's right. Sixty years ago, you you cycled across the across the bridge. Different times then, uh, Oppie. Yes, they are exciting. Just the same. Just the same as this morning. And well, you better tell Australia what what the tunnel looks like in from the inside, just like another tunnel, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a rather eerie feeling to think that you're uh, cycling under tons and millions of tons of water. And I saw it trickle across the road and uh, across the tunnel floor and I quickened my pace immediately. You were and still are uh, a national hero in, in France and they used to, they, the crowds used to go berserker over you. And, and a bloke was talking, another bloke was talking to me and he said, Don Bradman, he said he was a great hero. Don Bradman, he said, but Opperman, Opperman, he says it was a hero to the world. Did you, how did you cope with, with that adulation in those days? Oppie, was it, was it hard for you? Oh, you were amongst uh, high-standard uh, fellows who were uh, winning their classics and you didn't think uh, <laughs> you stood out so much because of that. But I, I had a manager, Bruce Small, and he was a very successful businessman and I had a great affection for him and uh, he guided me through and if he <laughs> ever saw me getting above what he thought was my station, he cut me down to size. So, you know, they say that uh, every man has a lurking wish to be thought considerable in his own place. And uh, uh, you, you get a quiet satisfaction out of, uh, out of winning. What a lovely thing to say. Every man has a lurking wish to be thought considerable in his own place. Sir Hubert Opperman, that's from our archive, and there's a statue of Oppie just across the road from us here in Rochester this morning. Our correspondents are all over the world. Clyde Thompson, for instance, has worked for many years with the RFDS here in Australia, but of recent times he's been in Kenya working for AMREF. AMREF is the African Medical and Research Foundation. He occasionally comes back to Oz and I spoke to him here a few weeks ago where he talked about the dreadful drought in Africa and also about COVID. This is a little piece of that conversation. How has COVID affected the people of Nairobi? Has there been a, a large death toll or what's the story? No, it hasn't. Well, the other thing is, of course, you don't know whether to trust the statistics or not, but uh, certainly a lot lower than it has been in European countries. But it's a very fit population because I said, well, if you look at the slums, there's a big slum in uh, Nairobi. And I said, well, how are those people going to cope? Because they're living cheek by jowl. And the medical view I got, because we've got a university there, they said, look, those people have got so much immunity from everything that's been thrown at them, it, they'll just breeze through this. <laughs> and they're right. It was, you know, and it, it didn't affect them at all. But it was interesting, though, because in some place like Tanzania, the president of Tanzania, who remain unnamed, got up and called a public meeting and said, I've talked to God and God's going to protect you all from COVID. And he subsequently died. <laughs> so, so the contract wasn't very good. Clyde Thompson. And Clyde is now back in Kenya and he writes from Nairobi. And he says, it was great to talk to you, Macker and Lee, back in Kenya and it's rained for the first time in two years. However, it didn't come early enough to save a lot of elephants in Samburu, a reserve south of Nairobi. 
The charitable work of AMREF Flying Doctors continues throughout Africa and we are now being funded by donors to deliver COVID-19 vaccines through mobile outreach services which are well received by the communities and very successful. Our international aeromedical work, which cross-subsidises the charitable work, is increasing. We have just been tasked to transfer a patient from Johannesburg to Chengdu in China, a distance of 10,200 kilometres. As your listeners will imagine, the logistics of this transfer are challenging, involving a crew change in Bangkok. Amazingly, it coincides with a need to transfer a patient from Istanbul to Johannesburg, which we can do on the way back. Keep up the good work and keep reaching out to your global audience, says Clyde Thompson in Nairobi. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.